today we're continuing we're on our last um, uh, uh, our last message of the series going to the well this is the last day we're going to the well y'all our last Sunday um, it's probably one of the most exciting for me because I know what what this holds and what we're doing and and where we're going and uh, and I love that when we talk about wells, and I know for us today in 2023 that wells are not that big a deal. We got access to water, like water and water. And, and we can't think, it's hard there again, like I said, even with thinking of somebody out in the ocean, thinking 4,000 years ago, nearly 4,000 years ago is when a real man by the name of Isaac, the son of promise, Abraham's son, he was real. He was living in the Middle East and he was battling uh, for water. He had to have something to drink. He, there was no tap. There was nothing. He could just go turn and like, oh, there what a string he could pull and water came down. It was, they were at God's mercy. They either had to dig for water or they had to find some way to catch rainwater and be able to hold it and keep it and preserve it so they could use it. And as we've been looking at the Old Testament and going to that part of the Old Testament where Isaac is digging wells and Abraham dug wells and many others dug wells, it's the first place where they were named. And the first one showed up in Genesis 16. We're not turning there this morning, but it was to a young girl named Hagar, a slave girl from Egypt showed up. And it's amazing that, hold it, Egypt shows up there way back then and it shows up that she was just doing her, her responsibility. She was fulfilling her responsibility to take care of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And when it was found out that Sarah could not um, conceive and God had told her she would have a child and, and that Abraham and, and Sarah would have it, she finally, Abraham and Sarah, Sarah actually came up with the idea that, hey, Okay, maybe it's God's plan and it was just kind of like a permissible will. Like maybe God wants to use her instead of me because she was getting up in age. And so she made a, a choice to, to allow her husband to marry her. So they did do it legal. They did do it right. But she was still somewhat of a surrogate mom. And as a result, that was the first place we saw a well show up. And it, here she is. She got, she got kicked out. She got pregnant. And then um, uh, uh, Sarah got jealous and started being mean to her. It's like, who does she think she is? Like, she's carrying this baby and she's jealous over that. And as a result, she ends up leaving. And that's where she runs right into God. She thinks she's running away from trouble and runs right into God. Anybody else beside me ever had that happen in your life? You running away and you're just going and I'm just fed up with all of it. I'm running up, whoa, and you run right into God in his grace and mercy like, whoa. He runs, she runs into him and she's the, the, the first well that we looked at, the well of God, the living God sees you. The, 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 the well of uh, Beth Leheroy. And so, that was the first one. And then we, we jumped ahead to, to Isaac, Abraham's son. And I want to dive right in. I want to dig down deep right now, right into there. In Genesis 26, 1 through 5, if you got your Bibles, you can open them. If not, we're going to have it right there on the screen. And by the way, can we give it up for the people that put these up here, the words and the things that, that help us to do that? We take that for granted. 
You know, can you imagine if they weren't there and, and being able to sing? And can also, y'all, true, we want to pray for Randy back here. Randy McDonald, he showed up today. He's been battling a hip injury and, and, and struggling. He's raising a hallelujah back there. I'm raising a hallelujah. He came here. But he's battling, and he's there today. He, he had to use his cane, but he made it. So y'all give it up for sound people and doing that. And, of course, our worship team, can we, can we praise God for them? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Things that, little things we take for granted. I keep threatening one day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing something, and y'all going to be like, Jesus, help us. I, pray real, I really praise God for them. So, uh, but anyhow, starting in verse 1, we look at this, and it says, A severe famine now struck the land, and as had happened before in Abraham's time. So this was nothing new. This was not something that, oh my goodness, a famine back in that day, and it's still today. We have famines. Maybe they're not the kind we think. Like, we don't, here in America, we don't struggle a lot with food. Matter of fact, through the pandemic, we saw where food was in such abundance. I remember one time driving from here to, to uh, Valdosta to visit a friend of mine. And on the way, I saw six different places going, free food, free food, free food. And I was like, wow, <laughs> there's an abundance. We have one right here. We have a place on our campus praise God, called the Lows and Fishes at the corner of our property. If you've never been there, if you've never seen it, I encourage you to go check it out. It is a place where you, us as a body, provide free food and clothes for people Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You, that's an area of ministry you can help get involved in. So, so famine was not a thing that was just, oh my gosh, this has never happened. It was something that they, had, they, they knew and that it was a part of what their culture had to walk through because food was scarce. And it says, so Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, right when he gets there, do not, do not go down to Egypt. Don't do it. Just so you know, back in the day, Egypt had plenty. That was where they, they had planned and prepared. They had a, a number of different um, people and, 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 and farmers and stuff, and they knew how to, to really till the soil and to, 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 to build and crops and to, to harvest that. But God told them, don't go down there, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land. And I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants, as I solemnly, excuse me, just as I, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. He listened to, he listened to God speak to him. And now let me say to you, to be honest, we don't know if this was an angel of the Lord. Because when we say God spoke to you... My mind goes to, so was he just sitting there and God pulled up and said, hey, we know he didn't physically, 
because he told Moses, you know, that, hey, if you see me in all my glory, you ain't going to be no more because of all the, the glory, the, the, the weightiness and the, the light and brightness. But we know that he communicated with him either through an angel or through his spirit and talked to him and let him know these things. And Isaac, it was so convincing that Isaac said, okay, I'll do it. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to skip down because there's a section from verses 6 to uh, verses 11 where it deals with basically Isaac lying about his, his wife and said, this is my sister. There's three different times in scripture where they did the wife-sister thing. He learned it from his dad. His dad, Abraham, did it twice. Came into a foreign land and said, hey, who, who's that girl right there? She's pretty. And he goes, that's my sister. <laughs> it's my sister. And the reason they did it back then is because it was all about covenant and kingdom. And they were, Abraham, like Isaac, they're afraid if I tell them it's my wife, they'll kill me and take my wife. <laughs> and so they said, it's my sister. Oh, and then of course, in each instance, they found out. So we're going to skip past that part and go down to verse 12. And if you'll follow me right there, we're going to pick up the story. It says, when Isaac had planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. Now, I know when we think of rich, we think of gold and silver and money. Let me say in that culture, in that time, your crops, your, your, your livestock was a symbol and a sign of your, uh, of, of your wealth. It was gold and silver, but there was other. Then you could buy and sell, you could trade. And so he gotten very wealthy doing that. And so... Um, in their jealousy, in their moments of jealousy, they thought, we know what to do. In verse 15, he says, so the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's well with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. So they're trying to get rid of him. They're thinking, hey, what we'll do, we'll cut off his supply. Because um, all of your livestock, they have to have water in order to survive. And they thought, hey, we'll just cut off his supply of water and then he'll have to go. Well, that didn't work. So then in verse 16, they said, finally, the king Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Like, get out of here. You're not wanted. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. Anybody here ever been moved out of a place or a situation only because you were doing well? You weren't worried about other people. You were just doing what you were supposed to. You were being kind and you were, you were just operating the gifts God gave you. And somebody said, you're too, you're too good at this. You got to go. You got to move on. Instead of welcoming and learning from them, they ended up getting jealous. I hope we can learn from this simple lesson right here that when God brings somebody across your path that does things really well, learn from them. Grow from them. Don't get jealous. Go, how do you do that? I want to learn myself and grow in that. Anyhow, moving forward, we're going to continue on because it gets better. And like I said, we're getting to the, the, the meat today where I feel like God's going to bless each one of you in a powerful way um, with, this, with this thing of water and this thing of well. So when, when he was ordered, now he's powerful, but he didn't, he didn't put up a fuss or a fight. In verse 17, it says, so Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. 
he, y'all got a note here, and y'all, this is how my brain works, sorry, man. I think of this as anybody ever seen an ant bed, anybody ever had to deal with, you got these ant beds in your yard, and you get there, and as a kid, it would always amaze me. We, I'm going to say that, you know, we were not kind to the ants because they were not kind to us. And so, so my, my dad would use this stuff and try to get rid of these ant beds. And, I, and he would use this different chemicals or stuff, try to get rid of them. I said, Dad, don't you know how to get rid of an ant bed? You get a, you get a firecracker and you stick it in the middle of it and you light it. Go, you know. But what was always amazing was as soon as someone went up, they always go back to work. Like you can stamp on it. They instantly go back to building. They don't even question like, oh, you just messed up my room. Let's just keep on building. Well, Isaac's like, okay, you tell me to move away. I'll just move away and I'll just start building. I'll start doing it. And so he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Verse 19, Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. Man, it's like he can't catch a break. Anywhere, he's just trying to do what's right. He's just enjoying life. He's enjoying the blessing of God. Like, like Elder Henry was saying just a minute ago, like he had a gift. He's just going about doing it. And somebody always wants to come at him. Like he's just enjoying the favor of God. He's not trying to lord it over them. He's not bragging. He's just doing what he's supposed to. And people get jealous and they keep coming. So it says, this is our water. They said, and they argued over it with Isaac Herdman. So what does Isaac do? He breaks out the sword and a spear and a shield. And No, he doesn't. It says, so Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. It means strife. It means this thing of, hey, we're, we're coming at you. And so it, uh, another word is contention, where they contend. We looked at that, at how we contend with things in our generation. And so... In verse 21, Isaac's men then dug another well, but again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac's uh, named it Sitna, which means hostility or accusation. And so many times we deal with that in our lives today. The, the, the natural thing they're dealing with is the things we deal with today. Uh, we deal with hostility. We deal with arguments. And so abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time, and this is what we looked at last week, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open spaces. Like I finally found a place to breathe. I finally found a place where nobody's trying to encroach upon me. Nobody's trying to crowd me out. Nobody, I get to, I get to expand. I get to enjoy. And that's what we looked at last week. God wants us to enjoy open spaces of his grace, of his truth, of his love. And so it didn't stop there because then it says from there, Isaac moved to Beersheba. So he had that place and he had the room to move. And it said, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. Now remember when he first got there in Gerar, God appeared to him. And now he's at Beersheba and the Lord appears to him again. And he says, excuse me, I am the God of your father, Abraham. He said, do not be afraid. For I am with you and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. 
Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. Can you, can you see a theme here in Isaac's life that we can say that when something goes wrong, we just got to keep digging? That I know sometimes that right now in this room, there are, there are real situations that people are walking through, like real struggles, physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, many things we go through. But it never stopped Isaac to say, hey, yep, I've got this adversity. i got these coming at me, but I'm going to continue to pursue. I'm going to continue to do the things I know to do that will lead to what God wants. And so he goes on in verse 26. One day, after he kept doing this, one day, and this is where the story takes a turn, and it shows Isaac's faithfulness was seen by those around him. Instead of coming at him, they came to him. And there's a difference when somebody comes at you and somebody comes to you. You know when somebody comes at you. Like they're coming at you hard, fast and furious. And sometimes they got their mouths moving real loud at you. And sometimes they might want to even throw some hands at you. And sometimes there's a number of things they come at you. You know when they're coming at you. But there's a difference when they come to you. And so here the king of Abimelech is coming to him. And he came from Agar with his advisor as a Ahuzeth, Bible name, um, and also Fikal, his army commander. So he's coming with um, some, some power behind it. His army commander, he's coming with his advisor. He's coming to, to have a meeting, not coming to, to, to come, at, come at him, but to come to him. And look what it says. We've come, we have come here uh, Isaac asked, why have you come here? Because remember the last conversation Isaac's had, they came at him and said, get out of here. And Isaac asked this, and he says, you obviously hate me <laughs> since you kicked me off your land. So Isaac didn't do what we do a lot of times. We try to bury it and sweep it under the rug. He, he actually spoke truth to them. Like, I'm not trying to be kind. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to be real. Like, what are y'all doing? Like the last conversation I had with you, you said, get out of here, like leave. And, and so they, he, he, he was being real. And then they replied, and I love how when you look at the, the difference that, of their response this time than it was last time, we can plainly see that the Lord is with you. In other words, it was so apparent to the way Isaac had conducted himself and the way God had blessed him, instead of doing what they did and operating the way they did, because he kept entrusting himself to the Lord and, and he kept pursuing what he knew to do, they recognized plainly the Lord is with you. So we want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant, a promise, an oath together. Swear that you will not harm us just as we have never troubled you. Yeah, right. Never. You've never done that. Just we've never troubled. We have always treated you well. Now, that's a matter of opinion. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, if you call that treating him well, how did you treat your own people? I mean, if you're sitting here, get out of here, go, and you call that well, we, have, we always treated you well. We sent you away from us in peace. And now look how the Lord has blessed you. 
I just get tickled when I read that. Like, come on, really? You're trying to make him believe that? He experienced, he already told you how you came at him. But look what Isaac did. Still being Isaac, operating the way he does. So Isaac prepared a covenant feast to celebrate the treaty. And they ate and drank together. Early the next morning, they each took a solemn oath not to interfere with each other. Then Isaac sent them home again, and they left him in peace. Last time Isaac left, he left with conflict. He left with turmoil. He had to go away from them or either stay and fight. He chose to leave. As a result, he kept on pursuing, kept on doing what he'd do. And then here it is. He actually gets justified in the end where they leave him in peace. So Isaac, uh, so that very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about a new well they had dug. We've found water. Y'all, that is a massive deal. I know when we think we found water, when he says we found water, man, they rejoice like, woo, we found water. We got some water, y'all. It's exciting. We got it. We hit water. They exclaimed it wasn't just a little deal. It was a massive deal for them to keep on. It's like, now we got another one. So Isaac named that well because of what had taken place and transpired. He named it Sheba, which is, which means oath or promise. And to this very day, the town that grew up there is called Beersheba, well with an oath or another translation, Sheba says of seven. And so... Today, we are on the last well, and I got to watch this, it'll get loud. The, and the, this is the well of Sheba, which is also the, the well of the promise or oath or seven or the, the, like I said, the well of promise. What a powerful well this one is that we end today on. And the reason I say that is, is because if you look at the very first, we're not going to turn back there, but when you looked at the beginning, God made a promise in, 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 in verse 2, where he began to t- and promised Isaac what he would do for him. And Isaac had to walk through a whole lot of stuff before he got there. But we see at the end where God made it happen. And it, and it was a supernatural work on God's part to help him. He did what he knew to do. And God blessed him with this wonderful place. I love some of the things we can pick out of this particular story in that. Gerar. If you know what the meaning of the word Gerar is, believe it or not, it just means a resting place. It's a lodging place. It's a transitional place. Gerar means, if for us, it would be campground. Like we're not going to set, this is not where we're supposed to be. This is where we're just going to hang out for a little bit. And so when he went to Gerar, he was never supposed to be there forever. Some of you right now have been in transition in your life, in your business, in your responsibilities. You've been in transition and you've been so upset because people have been coming at you and things have not worked out well and people are stealing your water and they're taking your well. Maybe not your physical water, but they've been coming at you. They've been, there's been some hostility. There's been some arguments. There's been some and God's saying, hey, this ain't your permanent spot. This is a place of transition where God is going to open up and he's going to bring you to that place where you can experience the open spaces and you can experience this thing of promise that he's going to take care of you no matter what takes place. 
You know, I think of all the different places and all the different things we've experienced as individuals and as a body. There's not one of us that have been, um, that, that hasn't been subject to some type of trial in our life, to some type of issue, whether it's, like I said, a physical issue that's happened, whether it's been a, an emotional issue where somebody, they, didn't, they verbally came at you. Like I, I think of times where, where people, because of their own desires and wants and you don't flow along with it, they come at you. And so you have two choices. You can either go right back at them or you can say, whoa, hold on just a second. You know, I remember a time in my life a few years back where I had a situation like this. And I believe with all my heart that, that God has put me in this place for this reason. The first, when I first got saved, like y'all know, I came out of a mess. I came, like many of y'all, some of y'all, y'all didn't. Y'all just eased on in because y'all was good. And y'all just said, hey, yeah, I need Jesus too. Other, we were so mixed up, messed up. And like Jesus, okay, it's got to be you. I'd have no hope. And so I, I came in out of, a, out of drugs and all that. And I'll never forget, like two weeks after I was saved, two weeks, I'm riding in my Mustang with the T-tops off, coming from Darren, Georgia, where I was living. I, I was still in the drug house I'd created, but I was no longer, I was actually witnessing to all of them. And they were getting very mad at me because I'm saying, Jesus is so much better than all this and you ain't got to have it. He'll, he'll do it for you, man. He'll give it to you. And, and I remember coming over the big Altamall River, coming over the big bridge. And as I'm coming down it, I hear this thing. And I did, I, I had not heard any message about the voice of the Lord, but I hear these words that say, if you let me, I'll pick your friends. And I'm like, what? Y'all, now I know sitting here today, I'm looking at like, that was just so odd because I didn't know the, it was just so real and so pronounced to me that I couldn't just keep riding with my team, you know, with the wind back then through the hair I had then, but I was, you know, back then I was enjoying it, but I couldn't just keep going. I had to pull off the side of the road. I had to pull off and I, I literally pulled off the road because I was like, what is that? And I heard it again and said, if you let me, I'll pick your friends. And then the second part of it came. And they won't be the ones you choose. That's a very real moment in a 23-year-old's life. That's a moment that will define you like literally in my mind. I literally at that moment, the word nerd came to my mind. I'm like, I am destined to hang out with nerds the rest of my life. Because that was what the terminology we used back in that day. And I was like, oh my goodness, why? This is just way. <laughs> then I found out we're all nerds at heart, y'all. Let's be honest. <laughs> we try to make fun. That's what made Jeff Foxworthy rich is talking about rednecks. And we, he just translated, yeah, there's a little redneck in all of us. And so as I'm sitting there and I made a decision, I'm crying my eyes out like, oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. I got my little gold thing, you know, my little gold chain on. And I'm riding. <laughs> And I finally make a decision. Okay, God, okay. You can pick my friends. And I know they won't be the ones I choose. Oh, what's that going to look like? Can I tell y'all 37 years out now, I'm so thankful I made that decision. 
There is nobody I will not hang out with. There's nobody. There was a time talking about coming out. There was a time a young man that I didn't choose. He chose me. And there's many times people choose me that I do not choose. And they come and they're like, hey, I got the sign that says pick me. And I'm like, come on, pick me. I'm ready. And I went, but this young man, he was, had, his mom and dad had him very late in life. And it was a major struggle. And, and he did, from all appearances, you would say, yep, this guy, he's going to have struggles. Like sometimes, you know, your ears don't fit your head and some other things. And it's kind of like, whoa. And appearance wise, there's just things that happen. I'm not being ugly. I'm just being honest. There again, Isaac did that. But on the natural, the outward would look at it. And then it, to make it worse, he had a voice that was just this squeaky little, yeah, when he ain't talking, it was just kind of like, if you, had to, if you had to do a movie about it, you're like, oh, goodness. But he, he grabbed a hold and I'm like, okay, let's go. We went on this journey, and for almost a year, I'd pick him up. I'd take him. Um, he, he really didn't have friends. I became his only friend, basically, and, and I would pick him up and bring him to youth group, and I'd go to his house. We'd go out to eat. He was in my small group, and, and then one day, um, somehow happened where he decided that I could not be enough, and I, he, he, it was like, like, anybody ever grab a hold of you, and you're like, okay, okay. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm going to go out and see my fiance <laughs> who lives in Darien. I am not going to be able to hang out. Sorry. <laughs> what? You're going out there instead? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do that. I'm sorry. Just call me crazy. But he, he got very upset and got very mad at me to the point where he just began to come. He, we were no longer talking to each other. He was coming at me. Now, hold on. Let me see if I can get this. Oh, that's what happened. Hold on. Excuse me. This little thing is rubbing my little bit of whiskers. Anyhow, I think I'm going to try to do it without it. Excuse me. Anyhow, this, this guy just came. Thank you, Ren. This guy came at me. And y'all, this was his story, not mine. Because I kept loving him. So what happened is he disappeared. He stopped coming completely. He would call. I'd still check on him. Hey, what's going on? Would not show up. And so I'm sitting here. And every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, I'd come out, and here's this guy standing. We used to have a hallway that went this way and that way. He'd be standing at the end of the hallway just before you walk out the door, and he would be sitting there with this look like, like, he wanted me to feel his hate, like, I hate you, I hate you. And every Sunday morning, I would go up, and I'd hug him and say, man, I'm so glad to see you. This happened, y'all, for a year and a half, every Sunday morning. He finally went away to college. Went away to college, went to Georgia Southern. He gets there, and his teacher, they have a writing assignment, write about someone that's had an impact in your life. And he wrote about me. <laughs> but at that time, it wasn't a good impact. At that time, I was still thinking. So he came back from college, and he, he began to write, and it began to be like, he didn't do this, and he didn't do this, and he didn't do that, and he didn't. And so he came, and so one Wednesday night, I'm preaching, and he's sitting back here in the back. He comes in the middle of me preaching, and he comes, and I was like, Lord, I thought I passed that test. I know I passed that test. That well, I'm sure. I drank, and I did well. It didn't happen. So he, he comes at me, and I'm like, okay, well, Jesus, Thank you, Lord. And afterwards, I talked to him, and he begins to go over, rehearsed everything. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. And I said, man, I love you. Please forgive me if I couldn't be everything. So the next year, 
Oh, by the way, when he was home from college, he would come do the same thing. Sit right there, and he'd make me feel this. I want you to feel my hate. And he'd just look at me, and every week, okay, we're doing this again. All right. Okay, give me a hug. Love you. Love you. Then the next summer, he comes in, and this is when he begins to let me know that, um, thank you very much. I love that guy. He's going to help me out. Yeah, we getting rid of that. Thank you. I can use this. It'll, it'll, it'll limit my talking ability because one hand's going to have to hold this, but it'll be all right. I'll make it. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Other y'all, you okay? Because you just sit there and talk. Like, okay. <laughs> so, so anyhow, this happened, this true story. He ended up, the next summer shows up and he's back in the back again. I'm like, this is a two and a half year process. And I'm like, Jesus, I passed this test. I know I did. And this time he's like, I want to see you. And he tells me the story. He's the one that told me. I used to go to a church. He knew they got out sooner than ours. <laughs> they got at 1130. So he could be there waiting when I came out. And he said, I looked at I wanted you to feel my hate. And he said, and every Sunday you hug me. And he said, it's the only hug I ever got. <laughs> and he said, and then I felt like, well, then it was, I hate you. But then it's like, I need a hug. I'm going over there because I know he's going to do that. And it was something that transformed. It took a long, it took a lot of hugs to get there. And I'm going to tell you, if I would tell you, like, I was saying, thank you, Jesus, here. I was saying, okay, Lord, I'll be faithful. Amen. So God bless you. God bless you. Love you. I was believing God that this would not turn. The same holds true. When we deal with the promises of God, God reveals them to us. And I'm, I'm saying to us, as we unload and we unpack this well of promise, there's just three things because in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, these wells represented very real life transition, like real life. Hey, if I don't have water, we die. We're in a desert. There's nowhere we can go to get it. We can't just go down to the store and buy some. It has to be here like we've got here for you today. This is not the case. This was, it was real. In the New Testament, Jesus begins to transition these very real situations that happen into real life situations we can deal with today. And he began to make them in such a way, transition them to where we have a part to play when we think about the well of promise. So when we think about all that we walk through in this well of promise, we have a promise that is so powerful that it's not just any promise, the well of, uh, when we start thinking about the well of promise, the well of promise is a person, not just a well, not a physical well in the ground. The well of promise is a person. And that is the person of Jesus. In John 1, 1, it says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the, and the word was God. So in the very beginning, when, when Isaac's walking through these very real scenarios, very real, real situation, Jesus is there already. He already knows what's going on. He's already well aware of every situation that's going to take place. And Jesus is walking, watching and walking to him. He even appears, that's where we say, where God appeared to him and told him, gave him instruction to say, hey, I want you to see what's going to take place if you'll simply lock into my promise. If you'll do what I tell you, if you'll follow what I tell you. Matter of fact, John 1, 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And we've seen his glory, the glory of the only, uh, the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus, this well of promise actually in the New Testament turns into a person. He becomes real. The, the word comes alive and begins to live in us, not just live with us. And so as we walk through situations today, we got to think of the person of Jesus. The well uh, in John 4. When we, when we, we, this is a, a scripture we've used many times in this series in John 4, 13 through 14, 13 and 14, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman and he asks her for a drink and she acknowledges he has nothing to drink. He has nothing to draw water from. And Jesus makes the statement, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. He said, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So it's not something I take from the outside, it's something develops on the inside. And you have to wonder when he says the water I give, he's talking about himself. I'm gonna give myself. I'm gonna give everything I am, everything, I, everything of who the Holy Spirit, God the Father who loves us, God the Son who sacrificed for us, God the Holy Spirit who empowers us, I'm giving it all. And so this, this well that starts on the inside, it begins to bubble up. It bubbles up to eternal life. I love what 2 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20, it says this, For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. Always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in the person of Christ in a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God to his, for his glory. And so when we look at this, the well of promise that we celebrate today is not just a, a, a hole in the ground that bubbles up from a spring, but it actually is a person that comes on the inside. Then the second thing, the well of promise is not just a person. The well of promise is powerful. The well of promise is powerful. When Jesus said it would be a well that bubbles up in you, this is what he said in Acts 1.8 when he's talking to his disciples, when he's fixing to leave this planet physically. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're gonna get this power that comes from the inside, not something I gotta go get from the outside, not somewhere I gotta go get, but where he bubbles up on the inside of us. Matter of fact, John 14, nine through 12 says this. Philip, he's talking to his disciples at the last supper and Philip had questioned, he, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. They said, we don't know the way. And, and, and Jesus replied, he said, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. And then he goes on to say, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works 
I have done and even greater works because we've got this well, we've got this water that's flowing in us. We've got this, the life of the, the life of Jesus, the Holy God, the Holy Father, the Holy Son, the Holy Spirit, all three operating in us. So it's, he's not just the well of promise as a person, the well of promise is powerful. And then finally, the well of promise is perpetual. It never stops, y'all. It never stops. It's not, like, it's not like somebody can throw dirt on it and cover it up. It's not like we can go through situations. That's what the enemy would love for us to believe, that somehow God's closed shop and that, I'm sorry, there's nothing more he can do for you. And I'm telling you, this morning, this well that we're talking about, Jesus, the living, the, the, the faithful son of God, this, this, this life that he gives us, it springs up. And it, it goes on and on and on. And in our lives, I've come up with just a few promises that this well gives us. Number one being, God promises to strengthen you. And if ever that is something for us today to lean into, I mean, Ephesians 3 14 and 16, that's where it just says, for this reason I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of him and his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He wants us to experience this flow, this power, this water that refreshes, that drenches, that quenches, not our physical thirst, but our spiritual thirst our emotional thirst, this thing that says, hey, peop, uh, the, we have an enemy of our soul that comes at us, not to mention the people around us many times that try to make us feel less than. And God's saying to us, he wants us to rest in his promises. Matter of fact, that's the second one. God's promises gives you rest, gives you rest for your soul, for your mind. Matter of fact, that's what it says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and, I, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. If you've ever felt weighed down and you felt in some place that somehow you're not, you don't measure up or you're not good enough, that's not God. That's the enemy of your soul that's lied to you. Are there people that have tried to put something on you that's not supposed to be there? God wants us to experience his rest even in the most difficult times. He wants us to experience that. That's when we need it most. Then, then he says he promises to take care of our needs. Let's be honest, that's one where we struggle with. Are you really gonna do what, what you say you're gonna do? And that's where Philippians 4.19 says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm gonna skip down to number, uh, the, the, another one I have. God promises to be with you. And that's one that, that we really, really, need to lock into. Because I know in this room, there's many times we felt like somehow God had abandoned us or somehow we're out here on a lone, floating adrift. And I'm telling you, God says, don't be afraid. It's what he said in Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid for I'm with you. 
Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I'll hold you up. It's not something you got to do. It's something we got to rest and let him do. And then I love this one where he'll never separate. God promises that nothing can separate us from him. Nothing can separate us. Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights nor depths, nor any else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I just want to challenge us this morning. It's a forever kind of thing that when you're in a place where you feel like I can't go on, when you're in a place where things are coming at you and people and situations that are far beyond bigger than what you can handle and you can't think it through and you can't pray it through and you just feel like "Ah, I'm, I'm just at this place, God help me. This is where we rest on his promise. This well of promise is a, is a person This well of promise brings power. This well of promise, it's perpetual. It goes on and on. And this morning as I close, these cups that you were given, we got all kind of water out there, y'all, and it's cold. And I told y'all we're going to get this. And by the way, one thing that y'all can do if y'all like whoever, whatever kind you like up here, when we close the service today, if you like that, you can come actually take a bottle. Except for this one. You can't take this one. This goes on my, my water cooler at my house. <laughs> I brought that from home. We got four. <laughs> don't take that one, please. <laughs> I want to. It's spring water. I don't like the steel stuff. <laughs> But y'all can get those. I don't, by the way, I'm not giving you anything. You bought those. We bought those with your tithes and offering. This is not something I'm like, oh, look, I'm, but praise God. I just leveraged it this way for you. And so you can come get one of these. But there'll be, you can take these cups and you'll be able to drink all kind of different cool water from Iceland, from Paris, or from the Alps, and from, all, from Fiji, my, one of my favorites. Uh, anyhow, you can, you can take these cups and there'll be people that'll help, they'll help pour and you can get drink from that, whatever you want. If you hang around long enough and there's some left, you can take a bottle. I don't care. This is what we did it for. But until then, right now, I know that I know that I know that there are people right now that are battling the well that's run dry. And that it feels like it's just going through the motions. Like I'm just, I'm walking this life, but I don't feel like there's life. Like I'm experiencing things, but I don't feel like I'm experiencing things. I'm just going through the motions. I'm just, yep, I'm saying, hey, I go to work. I get up, I come home, say, hey, honey, I eat food. I go to the next. And it just, it's like a drudgery. It's like it, nothing ever changes, it just goes. Or sometimes there are people in here that are battling illnesses that are very real, that are saying, hey, And things come, it's not going to work out for you. It's not going to work out for you. It's not going to work out for you. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. And this is where we got to be refreshed again to say, nope, I'm taking another sip. I'm taking another sip. I'm drinking some more, Lord. I'm not going to allow that. And so this morning, I'm going to open the altar. And if there's any part of you that's felt distanced, that somehow God hasn't been faithful with his promise, I just want to say, 
Maybe it's just a not yet. Isaac had to walk through some things, very real. People tell him to get out of here, leave. He had to walk through those to at the end, he said, hey, I'm not pursuing you anyway, I'm pursuing him. You're not the one that's gonna strengthen and enable me. God, you're the one that's gonna do that. I know in this room, there are those that are believing for loved ones that are saying, God, when are they gonna get it together? Lord, when are they, when? Don't ever get tired. Keep, keep crying out for them. Lord, thank you that I've gotta be the one, you've gotta be the one that demonstrates life to them, that shows them that, Lord, you're real. And so I want us to, I'm gonna open the altar this morning. And this is for an opportunity for us to get filled up again. And there's a constant refill and there is never a, oh, it's a one-time thing. It's a continual. And so I want us to, they're gonna lead us in tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, to go back to this hymn. And if you're well, the inside, it feels like it's kind of court, like it's not, it's dried up. Somebody's put a bunch of junk in there and I can't quite get the flow going and it doesn't feel like anything's moving or happening. This would be a great morning to come and say, Lord, I trust again. I'm trusting you again. I'm entrusting once again, I, I entrust myself to you.